Isn't everybody? Can we thank the Davises for their story? Man, there, there is so much I love about that story. Uh, but I love the fact that even from 35 minutes away, this family will drive. They are finding their purpose. They're serving the needs of other people. Man, you're never more like Jesus than when you give and when you serve. And I'm so thankful for the Davis family and their connection here, here at Trinity. And before we dive in again online, I know I pick on you a little too much. Um, not sorry. Um, but I want you to know that I love you today. And I'm so grateful that you are joining with us from wherever, whenever, whatever. Um, come on, church. Let's welcome your church family through that camera. We're glad you're here. If, if you haven't already, um, you, you should have received, um, when you walked in, in the room, a book that looks like this, the One Life book. Um, I would encourage you to get that out. Um, there's sermon notes, discipleship tools, all of that. We're going to be talking about it quite a bit today. If you're online or maybe you haven't gotten that and you just want to do it on your phone, go to trinitymesa.church slash one life. Go to the app. It's all there. Um, all the information, stories like the Davises uh, and the stories that we've done earlier in, in this series are all there to watch, to rewatch um, as we go through the one life. And here's the thing, th this is not a sermon series. It's the beginning of a two year journey where we declare, here's our declaration. I'm here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, say this with me. The Lord is, hey, that's what I wanted you to do. Say it real soft. No, like here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is, one. the Lord is one. He's above it all, behind it all, below it all. It is all about him. He's not number one on the list. He is the piece of paper in which we write our list on. It's all about him. And when you get a picture of the one true God, it changes everything about everything, about everything, about everything in your life which is the next part of the verse, which is why we will worship him, we'll love him with our all, all of our heart, all of our soul, and with all of our might. What would it look like for us over the next two and a half, three years to declare that the Lord our God, the Lord is, is one? So week one, we talked about the one name that's above every other name, that's the name of Jesus. Last week, we talked about one church, that the church is not a building that you sit in, that it is a movement that we get to be a part of, that we are on mission with Jesus to take the gospel to the broken world. That is the movement that we are, not a building. We, some people say, you know, pastors around the country, they'll say, hey, tell us about your building campaign. It's not, not a building campaign. Like, it's not. It, we're, we're building people up. This is not about a building. Because here's what's going to happen. Two years from now, we're going to outgrow all the space that we're going to currently remodel and redo. And we're going to come back and we're going to say, well, the movement decides that we need to shift again to reach more people for Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Not a building campaign, not paint. We're going to make it look really, really pretty. But it's so much bigger than, than all of that. That's the one, the one church. And part of our one church Movement. we're asking God for three strategic initiatives that we could be a part of. God, would you bless us in a way where we could see 5,000 people say yes to you, baptize 2,500, send 1,000 pe people on a mission trip. In order to do that, we're gonna go to East Mesa, launch a new Trinity Church campus out in East Mesa for the Davises and for their neighbors and for other people just, just like them. We're gonna update and remodel this current facility. All this is in that book. And we're also gonna go plant churches and develop leaders with our strategic partners around 
around the world. That's what we're up to in the One Life movement. There's a couple things I just want to kind of highlight for you of what's coming up to kind of prepare you for this. But next Sunday is Commitment Sunday. So inside your, your book there is this white card. Take it out. I'll flash it at you. It's a commitment card. Next Sunday, we will declare together what we believe God is asking each and every one of us to commit over and above our normal giving to accomplish these strategic initiatives. Now, some people have been a little confused with me, so I apologize for that. Let me try to explain it. On this commitment card, what you're normally giving, please do not tell us what you're normally giving. We, we, we need you to keep on doing that just to pay the bills. But this card is specifically for what are you planning on giving over and above your normal giving for the next two years to the One Life Movement. Over and above. Are you tracking? You're tracking with me. And next week, we'll stand together at the end of the service. We'll have an amazing worship song. We'll stand together. We'll hold them up. We'll pray over them. And during that last song, we'll all come forward and we'll drop our commitments and clear cylinder bins in these cards. And we'll declare what our generosity looks like for the next several years together. And then we're taking a break from all the One Life stuff, which we really never will take a break. And then we're into, you just saw the promo, At The Movies, which is the whole month of November, November 7, 14, 21, and 28. Now, if you've been waiting for a sermon series to invite your friends to, like wait no longer. This is the most attended series that we've ever done. Um, It's the highlight. We've been working for months and months and months, all in production. Um, the, the, The movies, the stories that we've picked out are absolutely incredible. And what we're doing, for you people that are like, I don't know about all this, listen, Jesus did this all the time. He would take modern stories, parables, that we're actually gonna talk about today, and he would lift out the spiritual truth. That's what we're going to do in these stories. Take modern day parables and lift out the spiritual truth. And we're gonna have popcorn and we're gonna have characters running around here. And you don't wanna miss a week for at the movies. That begins November 7. Now here's the one other thing. We can't put these online. Um, Because of copyright issues, you have to be in the room to experience it. So online church, and I know there's hundreds of you. Um, it's, this is the perfect weekend for you to come back to church. It's safe. It's clean. We won't cough on you. I promise. Like, it's, it's okay. Um, at, at the movies. Now, after At the Movies is over, December 5th, this is the Kickstart offering. So many people have said, hey, when can we start giving? Well, you can start giving now. And people have and are um, to the One Life Movement. But on December 5th, that's going to be our over and above, like, hey, we're going to kickstart the One Life Movement um, on December the 5th. One more point of clarification. If you've been around here for the last several years, we've always done this make a difference offering which that offering goes outside of our doors to support our local, our outreach partners, missions around the world, all those types of things. Here's what's amazing what God has done around Trinity. When, we, when I became your pastor, the plan was to have an offering that would help fund all of our outreach things for the next year. But because of your amazing generosity and because of how we budget, the 10-10-80 principle, where we give 10 away, our budget now allows us to do everything that we wanna do um, just through your normal, your normal giving. And you're like, well, I don't want to give to the One Life Movement. I want to give to that. Fine. I'm not going like, to, whatever. Keep on giving to the Make a Difference offering. That's, if that's what you want to do, and just, just highlight it there. That's totally fine. 
but we're able to do all of our outreach in our schools, all of our outreach through our partners, all of our um, global outreach just through your normal giving. I thought that would take us several more years to get there, but you guys have blown us away through your regular giving this year. We're able to do that, do that now. So for the next two years, our large offering at the end of every year will be to kickstart and to continue the One Life Movement. Are you with me on that? Okay, so we did one name, one church, a lot of things going on. Now today, we're gonna talk about one more, one more. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. Like, well, where are we getting this from? Well, one of my favorite passages of all time is Acts chapter 11, verse 24. And it says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You, you know what? When my life is over and you dig a hole and you put me in it and you have a funeral service, which by the way, you better come to my funeral or I'll be really, really upset. Um, and, and you better invite a friend because we're gonna worship the Lord loudly and we're gonna preach the gospel. Like that's, that's, my, that's my funeral request. Whenever that comes, it's gonna be a worship service. Like don't be sad for me. We're gonna worship and we're gonna preach the gospel. What I hope somebody says at my funeral is this. Like he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Now, now here's what I mean by great number. It's not about the 1,000 people or the 5,000 people or the 10,000 people that Trinity Church will reach in the next several years. It's not about that. You know what it's about? It's about the, like one more family, it's about one more student, one more parent-child dedication. It's always about one more which is the heart of Jesus. Now today, I'm gonna to take you to Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, open them up. If you don't, it'll be on the screen or take out this incredible resource and follow along. But in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is gonna teach us three stories with one point. And there's no transitions. It's just like boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of abrupt and awkward, but this is, what Jesus, this is the heart of Jesus. Luke chapter 15, let me put some context to it before we get to the stories. So Jesus is around, he's teaching. There are tax collectors and there are sinners drawing near to him. And every good Jewish person would be like, oh, no, not tax collectors. They're the worst of the worst. They're taking advantage of their Jewish neighbors so it can fund the Roman government and the Roman government's bringing crucifixion upon their neighbors. Like they're there and the sinners, like the worst of the worst, right? Because Jesus is about to teach you that what I'm about is about bringing the rebellious, bringing the worst of the worst. And also the Pharisees and the scribes were there. So it's just not the rebellious, it's also the religious. The Pharisees and the scribes, those are the people, like some of you, that when you say Luke chapter 15, under their breath, they're like, good Samaritan, I know that, been to Sunday school, I know all of the Bible. You just know it. That's who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the worst of the worst, and he's talking to the religious. And he's about to deconstruct their entire worldview, both of them. He's about to tell the tax collectors and the sinners that you're valuable, that there's a place for you here, that you're not too far gone. And he's about to tell the Pharisees and the scribes that the same grace that's needed for the tax collectors and the sinners is the same grace that you need in your life right now. Jesus is teaching us, I'm about to throw a party 
and both the tax collectors and the sinners are invited, and so are the religious. But you know, it wouldn't be a good story that Jesus isn't teaching without him saying this. The Pharisees and the scribes, <laughs> they grumbled. <laughs> I can't believe that they're there, right? I can't believe that this is what, look at Jesus upending my religion, upending my church. Look what he's doing. And they're saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And the religious have zero idea that they need this grace too. But they're relying on all their knowledge, all their history of the way it's always been done. Remember, Jesus is about to upend all of this and he begins with the story. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and say the highlighted part with me and what and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Like, well, I mean, of course you would. And this is what is upsetting the, the religious people. The religious people are like, well, why? We got 99 good ones here. Like, why would we go after just, just one lost sheep? Like, why in the world would we ever do that? Because not only is Jesus teaching us the character and the nature of God, but he's teaching us in these parables the attitude that we're to have. That it's not about staying comfortable. It's not about keeping the sheep happy. It's about going after that which one is lost. So, so let me say it even more clearly for you, that we as followers of Jesus need to be people who go. I'm not convincing you. So let me say it another way. We need to be people who will go on a mission strip. Amen. You need to get out of the context of Mesa, Arizona and go see how 95% of the rest of the world lives. You need to go take the gospel to people who are lost and on their way to hell. Now here's what people are gonna say. Well, isn't there enough to do around here? Like, yes, do stuff here, but go. The people who complain about too much stuff needing to be done here are rarely the people who do anything about the stuff that needs to be done here. They're just so busy complaining about everything that they miss out on going. We are people to go. Again, the church is not a building that we sit in in our seat every Sunday morning. It is a movement that we get to be a part of to go and take the gospel to the world that needs Jesus. Amen. We are to go to the one that is lost. Of course we would. The religious people are like, this is dumb. What a waste of time. Why would we do that? Like, it's so good here. Why would we go to East Mesa? Why, why would we do that? Why upend everything? Why, why video? Why, why, why? Because the gospel tells us to. With, with that mindset, it, that your mindset is so disconnected from the gospel, I don't even know where to start with you. We're people to go, not to stay, not to be comfortable, but to go after the lost sheep. Now, some of you, this fires you up like it does me. Like, woo, sign me in, I'm going, I don't even live over there, but I'm going to East Mesa. Well, just so you know, we have a launch team that is starting right now. In fact, tonight, we will have a prayer gathering over at the Gateway Polytech Academy at 5 p.m. And this is what it looks like. 
People coming together, praying over the gym, praying over the kids' space, praying over the hallways, taking laps around the school. Seven laps and the buildings are gonna fall down. That's my joke. But we're just praying over this space, asking God for a miracle. God, would you touch the hearts and the lives of people? Is it easy to do this? No, but the gospel compels us to go. Some of you in the One Life Movement, like you will, you will go on a mission trip for the first time. Others of you, like you'll get uncomfortable and you'll go plant a new campus in East Mesa. Like God's gonna get a hold of your heart and you're gonna understand there's more to my existence, there's more to my church than just sitting in the same seat every Sunday, but I'm to go. And here's what he says. And, and when he has, oh, if you, if you want more information on how to be a part of the launch team, on your connection card right now, write East Mesa team and put it in the offering box as you leave. Our team will reach out to you this afternoon. We'll get the information and we'll invite you to the prayer meeting that's happening tonight at five o'clock. And when he had found it, Jesus is telling the story. He lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. That's a happy word. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. He's throwing a party. Again, we celebrate what we value. And this guy's saying, I celebrate that was lost, not what was found. Here's what Jesus is teaching. And I know this is going to offend you. I'm not really sorry for saying it. But in God's economy, the lost are more valuable than the found. We're already going to heaven. We have it figured out. In God's economy, lost people are more important. And no church person says amen. Let me say that again, because this is the heart of Jesus. Lost people are more important than found people. Amen. He's throwing a party and the religious people are losing their mind. Like, why? Why are you throwing a party for them? I'm the one who stayed. I followed all of your commands. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm here. I've been here the whole time. Why are you throwing a party for somebody who was rebellious and went away? This is the heart of Jesus. And here's what he says. And so there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. In God's economy, lost are more important. Okay, next story. Because this is, isn't enough. The next story. Or what woman having 10 silver coins. Now this woman is loaded. In the Jewish first century culture, they lived day to day. They would work, get their payment, they could eat, they could pay for whatever they would need to have. And it was 10, one silver coin was a day's wage. The fact that she had 10, like, woo, you are somebody. Some commentators think this is her dowry. This is what she was gonna use to start her life. We don't really know. She just has a lot of money. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. You and I are like, well, of course we would. Like, we don't want like, a day's wage. That's a kind of a big deal. We're gonna tear the house up. This seek diligently, uh, it's not how we would think. Like just we're gonna sweep, we're gonna take a flashlight. Now, in the Greek, what this word means is she literally upends her life to find the one lost coin. I mean, she goes nuts. She pulls everything out of her home. She sweeps, she cleans it all, and she puts it all back in hopes to find just one lost coin. And again, the religious people are like, why would you do that? What a waste of time. You already have nine. Isn't that good enough? Again, Jesus isn't talking about coins. He's talking about people. 
That's the, that's the spiritual principle. And he's saying, of course we would upend our life to find one lost person. I want you to take out this commitment card right now. Take it out. Because here's, here's what happens. We come to these moments um, and we see this. In fact, it's right here on the screen. I think, yeah. And here's, here's what happens. And this is what the One Life Movement is all about. And this is what Jesus is talking about. That would we be willing to upend our life to reach one more? Would we be willing to sacrifice for the One Life Movement? Again, this isn't about a building, it's about reaching people. Because here's what happens when we come to this. Um, my two-year commitment, and if you're married, you'll probably have the conversation with your spouse and you would say, well, we probably should do something. Everybody else is doing it, we should probably like, do something. But, but what can we do where we don't really have to change much of our life? What, what can we do? If you've ever bought a home, specifically your first home, you sit down with your realtor and you tell them your budget and then you tell them all the things that you would love to have in your first home. And your realtor calls you a couple days later and says, well, good news, bad news. Good news is I have homes that are exactly what you're looking for. The bad news is they're like 30% higher than your budget that you gave me. And then you go and you take a tour of this said home and your wife takes a look and she's like, oh my goodness, I love it. And because you love her, you look at her and you say, okay, here's the deal. Um, let, let me go back, let me work some numbers and let, let me see if we can make this work. And in a couple days later, you sit down with your wife and you say, okay, here's, here's what we can do. We can make that work into our budget. However, in order to make that work, we're gonna have to not eat out as much. We may have to keep on driving that same car for the next couple of years. We may have to shift our life around in order to make this work. Here's, here's my question for you. Have you ever thought about giving to the kingdom of God in that way? Or has it always been, well, we can make it work? Or have you thought about shifting your life around to reach one more family, one more student, one more child for the sake of the gospel. Now, I'm not shaming us. Take your trips, buy your cars, all those things. I, I, this is what Jesus is talking about. Upending our life for one more. Have you ever thought about giving to the kingdom of God in that way? This lady tears her house apart looking for the coin. And the religious people are like, I don't understand why you're doing that. You have enough. Everything is good. I know who you are. I know everything about Like, Why? Why would you do that? And she says, okay. When she's found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, the rebellious and the religious, saying, hey, be happy with me. Rejoice. This is a happy word, for I have found the coin. Not talking about coins, talking about people that was lost. Just so I tell you again, pounding the principle home, there is more joy in heaven before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And now he goes to the third story, which is the most famous. And it's the Good Samaritan, which actually is a really bad title because Samaritan means lavish. 
And the one who's lavish in the story is not, is not the kid who goes and squanders all of his dad's money away. The one who's lavished is the father who throws an epic party for his son's return. In fact, if you want to read a great book on this, you need to read Tim Keller's book entitled Prodigal God. A lot of what I'm going to share with you comes right from here. And this is what he continues. This is the story of Jesus. Third story, again, one point. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. Now remember, who is Jesus talking to? Two groups of people. He's talking to the rebellious and he's talking to the religious. Those are the people who are hearing him. He's putting them in this story. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. A, a, a total rejection of the father. Which, by the way, that's what sin is. Sin is a total rejection of our heavenly father. I, I want nothing to do with you. You're dead to me. And this is what his father divided his property between them. <laughs> if I went to my dad and said, Dad, give me what I deserve, he would take his belt off and say, I'll give you what you deserve, right? He ain't, he's not dividing his property between, between us. This is crazy. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Just so you know, every path you take, you're on a journey somewhere. And it was fun at the beginning. Reckless living, like, woo, party it up. But that journey led him somewhere. This is where it led him. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the hearers of this story that Jesus is talking to would have been like, oh, the pigs. It didn't start this way. Brother was living like a rock star. Woo! Woo! How many of you know when you start on a path of rebellion and rejection of God, it's fun at the beginning. That first beer you took, you could drink faster and drink more than any of your friends, and it was cool, man. It's not so cool anymore, is it? That first drug you took, woo, it was fun, made you feel a certain way. It's not fun anymore, is it? That first time you went to that website and you started looking at those pictures, ooh, it was fun. But now it's all you think about. And it's enslaved you. And it is killing the intimacy in your marriage. It's not fun anymore, is it? Every journey, every path we take leads, it leads somewhere. And his rejection of the father led him to be in the fields with the pigs. He just wanted to eat with them, the Bible tells us. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. What a tragedy. And when he came to himself, like he snapped out of it. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I know, I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, so he's practicing his apology, like, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven and before like everything that you're about, I've sinned against it. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't that sometimes what we do? We've messed up and we are so afraid even to come to God and say, God, I'm not worthy of, that. that's the wrong attitude because you're gonna see what's about to happen. 
The son doesn't even want to be a son anymore. He just wants to be a servant. He wants to be a slave. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And as he arose, he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, this is the idea that the father's been waiting for him the whole entire time. His father saw him. He felt compassion on his son and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, here's, here's what you have to know. This is a complete humiliation of the father. In the first century, this honor and shame culture, like I don't run to anybody, people run to me. But here's this heavenly father who humiliates himself in front of all of his servants, anybody who was watching, hugs and embraces him. Hey, this is an incredible picture of our heavenly father. That Jesus left the glory of heaven where angels sit around and worship him over and over and over and over again all day. That, that, that's what he left. And he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life with no fault of his own. He went to a cross and he was humiliated. He stood there naked as they ripped the beard from his face and put the crown of thorns on his head and they ripped the flesh from his body. And the Bible says that no one could even picture who he was. He was tortured for us. He was humiliated for us. This is the idea. Jesus puts himself in the picture that I will humiliate myself for my lost boy. I'll humiliate myself for my lost daughter. This is the idea. This is what is happening right right here. He has compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him and he said, I don't care what you've done. You're my boy. Welcome home. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against you and of heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, God, enough of that. Bring quickly the best robe. The imputed righteousness is going to go on him, right? And put him a, a ring on his hand, the signet ring. He's a son and put shoes on his feet. Like he's an inheritance of what I'm about and bring the fattened calf. You hear that vegetarians? Like bring the fattened calf and, and kill it and let us celebrate. We're going to throw ourselves a party. This is the third party that we see in this passage. For this is my son. He is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to partay. When I was a college pastor, I did a lot of weddings, a lot of weddings. And there were some weddings that were just a little over the top. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just, ooh, the fancy country club. And, and you know that those 20 year olds with their little degree from Michigan State University, like did not pay for this. So you walk over to them and you're like, hey, congratulations. But then you walk over to mom and dad and you're like, nice party. Like, you know what you're doing here. This is, this is the idea. Like, yeah, we're celebrating that the son has come home, but we're really looking to God and being like, wow, look what you've done. Look at the party that you're throwing. Hey, Trinity Church, don't miss the party that God's throwing. Don't be so stuck in your preferences and what you want 
that you miss out on what God is doing. He's throwing a party and all of us are invited, the religious and the rebellious. And I just, I just wish the story ended right there. I think I'll go home right now, but it doesn't. And this part messes me up. Now his older son, remember two groups of people, the rebellious and the religious. The older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Do you hear that Baptist? Dancing. Like what kind of dancing do you have to hear, right? Like, I mean, you, they're, they are throwing it down. All the bodies hit the floor, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. And he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. Religious people are willing to talk to others about God, but they're not really willing to talk to God. What, 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 what's going on in there? You know, your brother has come home and your father's killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And this part messes me up a whole bunch. But he was angry, the religious son, and he refused to go in. And his father, once again, humiliates himself. Please, won't you come into the party? Like, don't miss out on what I'm doing here. You're so concerned about what you have. Like, come on, I beg you, I plead with you, come into the party, Trinity Church, Trinity Church. I beg of you, come into the party. Celebrate what God is doing. Celebrate when one lost person comes home. Celebrate when people up in their lives for the sake of one more person. And celebrate like crazy that rebellious people are coming home. Don't miss the party. He begs him, but he answered his father. Look, this is such a religious answer to say. Look at everything that I've done for you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've, you've never disobeyed your dad? Come on. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. I can imagine the dad in that moment saying, whoa, whoa, whoa what? A, a goat? Like, look around. All of this is yours. <laughs> and all you want is a Goat? It, it's not that we ask God for too much, it's that we satisfy with so little. All you want is a goat, why? Here's why, because he's selfish. That I might celebrate with my friends. Oh, Trinity Church, may this never be said about us that we are so caught up in who we are and what we're about and my preference and my ministry and my room and my class and I don't know, I could go. God has something way bigger going on. But this religious person, he was so caught up in himself. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother anymore. When he came, who has devoured all your property or prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He doesn't understand that the same grace that's needed for the rebellious is the same exact grace that's needed for the religious. He totally misses it. And he said to him, son, like you are always here. <laughs> I don't know, like all that is mine is yours. 
Look around, it's all yours. First century, not fair. But if you're the older son, you would get two thirds as much as the younger son. You have way more than what your brother's worried about. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost and he is found. And that's the story. There is no happy ending in Luke chapter 15. But here's the point, and don't miss it. The big idea is because of God's relentless generosity toward us. May we leverage all that he has given us to reach one more for the glory of God. So what does this look like for us? All of us have a one more. You know somebody who is far from Jesus. Maybe it's your son, maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's a family member, a neighbor, coworker. Put yourself in that story. Would you not do everything you possibly could to find your lost friend? If it's somebody that really meant a lot to you, would you not upend your life for the sake of that one more? And when they're found, wouldn't you throw an epic party to celebrate that they're home? Who is the one more? Who is your one more? In fact, on your worship guide, when you walked in, this is a tradition that we have around here. And there's sticky notes. And I'm gonna ask you to write the name of your one more. And maybe you have one, maybe you have five, maybe you have 10 people that you know who need Jesus. And as you leave today, I want you to place their names on the back wall. In our tradition around here is we pray for them by name and it's a perfect opportunity to invite them to at the movies, to all of the things that we have going on. I want you to be so laser focused of who's your one more. And church, I'm gonna be hard on you, but if you don't have a one more because your life is all about Christians, like shame on you. Shame on you. Names should be flooding into your mind right now. People, who, who needs Jesus? Who is it? Who in your life is lost and needs to be found? Because of God's relentless generosity towards us, may we leverage all that he's given us to reach one more for the glory of God. And then take out the commitment card and I want you praying like crazy over it. And next Sunday, we'll stand together and we'll declare what our generosity looks like. Not about a building, not about a new campus. It's about reaching one more person for the glory of God. Come on, hero Trinity, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. By your heads, close your eyes right where you are in the room and online. Some of you today, you would say, Pastor, I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm far from God. I'm that rebellious son and you just know it. Or you would even say, I'm the, re the religious one, but I've never, I've never gone to the party. I've been keeping God at a distance. I've been going my own way. But today, you know, you know, you need to give your heart to the Lord. 
right where you are, pray this prayer, put it in your own words. I pray the prayer like this, just say, today, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Say, come, live inside of me, change me. Make me the person you long for me to be. The head's still bowed and your eyes still closed. Who is your one more? Who needs to be sitting next to you on that row? And you haven't had the guts, you've been too afraid to invite them, you've been too afraid <laughs> to invite them into the family. You just, you're just, fear has you paralyzed, but you know God's given you that name right now. Well, be brave enough, write their name down. Put it in a place, take it home with you, I don't care. Put it in a place where you can see that name every single day. Who is your one more? So Holy Spirit, would you reveal that to us right now? Would you speak to us? Would you challenge us? Would you give us opportunities to invite them to Trinity, to invite them to at the movies, to speak truth into their life? Would you give us those moments? Help us not to squander them. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the words of Jesus and how he teaches us. I pray that we will be people on mission with him. The Holy Spirit, we thank you for everybody who's praying that prayer today, recommitting their life to Jesus, for the names we're writing down. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on church, celebrate with me. Those who just said yes to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Hey, if that's you, you just prayed that prayer, take a moment and fill out um, the commitment card or the connection card that's inside your worship guide. Um, if you're online, just click the box right above me. It just says connection card. Um, just check the box. And again, it's the hassle-free guarantee. We just simply wanna give you some next steps of how to get connected into the life of our church. And more than anything, um, we're honored and grateful. And we just wanna partner with you. And talking about a next step, uh, we have a thing here called the growth track. It's the second Sunday, or it's right now, um, it is step two. So it's two steps, step one and step two. Today is step two. And you can join at any time. So right after this service, over, go right to the lobby. Our host team greeters will meet you, answer all the questions that you have. And today you can continue your next step right here at Trinity Church. And uh, before we send you out, we're going to worship the Lord right now through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? <laughs> However you give, boxes in the back of the room online. However you do that, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity. Now I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet all over the room. I want to pray a blessing over you. Um, if you're brand new around here, I'll be down front for just a few moments. I'd love to shake your hand, love to welcome you to church today. And if you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team partners will be down front. We'd love to pray with you and we would love to pray for you. And again, next Sunday, we conclude the beginning of the One Life Movement with our Commitment Sunday. And I want you to know that we're praying for you um, as, as God speaks to you. Here's what I ask. As God speaks to you, that you simply say yes and you hold nothing back. And I know together, all of us doing something, we can make an incredible difference. Let's pray. God, again, I thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you're doing here at Trinity Church. And I pray that we'll have the most amazing Sunday afternoon we've ever had in Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.